Welcome to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Tuber Talk is produced by Potatoes in Canada magazine. You've tuned in to hear about the people and the ideas making a difference in the Canadian potato industry. Before we start, Eugenia Banks with the Ontario Potato Board is bringing her annual training day online to ensure scouts and growers are prepared for the upcoming season. Potatoes in Canada is hosting the three-part scouting series on diseases, insects, and physiological disorders on May 21st and May 28th. Visit potatoesincanada.com webinars to sign up. Hello and welcome to Tuber Talk. I'm Stephanie Gordon, the editor of Potatoes in Canada magazine and your host for this podcast. Today I'm joined here with Colby Robertson. And the reason we're recording this today is because of COVID-19. 2020 was the year that Colby was set to defend his master's thesis on potato early dying research in Alberta, but the in-person event was canceled. He tweeted about it. I saw the tweet and here we are using this episode as a way to share the research to the larger potato community. So before we start, let's set the stakes here. Colby, take us back to where you were when you heard that the in-person event was canceled and how you felt. Well, I was at home checking my emails right away on my thesis and uh, I saw it coming. We were thinking that a couple on-campus events would be shut down, canceled. Sure enough, uh, including my thesis, we had several events across campus canceled. However, I knew it would go ahead. It was just a matter of what it would look like. I can say that having two years of work culminating on a single day does bring some excitement and build up. So it was a little bit disheartening to hear that it would be canceled. But as I said, I knew it was going to happen at some point. So what actually ended up happening? So the defense ended up going ahead on a mobile platform. Unfortunately, uh, the public component was removed, um, and that was as per instructions from the university. And I think that in retrospect, that was a good idea, purely because there's been security issues with online meetings in the past. So it was for the safety and security of all those involved, but ultimately it still went ahead. So there's no doubt that the potato industry right now can relate to having plans derailed Uh, because of COVID-19 and, of course, to a much larger extent than one in-person event. But your research is on potato early dying complex, and this can also wreak havoc. So what is the significance of this disease in potato production? You make a really valid point about that derailment. And although I wouldn't necessarily equate the two, potato early dying can indeed derail production plans. In terms of how its significance comes into play within potato production, My understanding that I've learned over the past several years is as a wilt fungus, it can rob you as much as 15 or 30% of the yield that you could have produced. Beyond that, the fungus itself can persist in the soil beyond 10 years. In addition, current methods to quantify pathogen pressures in the field are not currently scaled to the total acreage across Canada. So if every grower wanted to assess pathogen pressure before making management decisions, current laboratories would be overwhelmed. And I guess that's one similarity that it has to COVID-19. We need greater testing capacity to cover more ground when it matters most. Um, so can you explain what is what is it and what is the significance of potato early dying? So potato early dying complex 
is a disease of potato that's caused by soil-borne pathogens, primarily a verticillium fungus. And the specific species of concern is verticillium gallii. And then also in combination with the fungus, you have a nematode, commonly called root lesion nematode. But the specific species of concern is Pretilinchus penetrans. Now, the reason why these pathogens are of concern within potato early dying is because they cause a wilt within the potato plant. They get together, they attack the roots, and then the fungus itself colonizes or, or lives in the potato plant and blocks the water transport up the plant. And so the wilting that occurs in the, within the field can look like a flag, what's called flagging. And so the stem remains completely upright and the leaves around that stem are brown um, or wilted or, or looking chlorotic or may even die and be necrotic. And this happens at such a point within the potato's life that it's not able to fully complete tuber bulking. And so you are robbed of yield potential because the potatoes are in the middle of the growth and are not able to complete it. That's where a 15 to 30% yield loss, according to available literature, comes from. Really severe infestations have been recorded to be as much as 50% yield uh, loss of potential yield. Um, but more conservatively speaking, you're looking at 15 to 30%. So what this looks like in the field is wilted leaves, smaller or not fully grown tubers, and then at the end, after harvest, in about 15 to 30% yield decline. Correct. And so the symptoms of the canopy can also occur in patches throughout the field. You won't see, or I wouldn't expect you to see, a uniform canopy showing flagging. That is the, the wilting of leaves while the stems remain upright. It, it occurs in patches, and these patches are a telltale sign usually of potato early dying when you see them in combination with the other symptoms as described. So let's get into research. What specific question did your research hope to answer in, in your research project? So a major question that I was looking to answer in my research project was, is PED or potato early dying complex a potential problem in Alberta potato production? And furthermore, can current products on the market be an immediate answer? Beyond answering questions through my research, I also wanted to develop myself as a researcher, which is in part one of the goals of the research program. That is developing future potato researchers to support Alberta potato industry and also the potato industry across Canada. So when it comes to the question of Alberta, how did you go about answering your research question? What did you do to kind of figure out its impact on growers in the province? I wanted to address the question of whether or not PED is a problem in Alberta potato production using a commercial scale field trial approach. So across my two-year project, uh, in cooperation with growers in the area, there's a total of three fields included in the project. And in these three fields, we used field scale strip trials. These strip trials were used to uh, quantify the efficacy of current and emerging products on the market. That efficacy was determined through several different factors. So for example, there was the verticillium fungus quantified in the soil 
the level of that fungus, and then also the level of root lesion nematodes were quantified in the soil. And these were done during key times. These were done before selecting the fields for inclusion in the project, after the treatments were applied, and then at the end of the growing season. Now, beyond collecting the soil from the field, there were also many tuber samples collected. Most of these tuber samples were collected uh, at the end of the growing season in each treatment. And these tuber samples were quantified for total yield, the size profile of the tubers, and in quality attributes, such as specific gravity. So to summarize, you have three fields. These are large field scale trials where you have a strip of potatoes. Are they infected with the disease and you're testing the products on an infected area? We did not inoculate the fields or potatoes with any of the pathogens. We're working on the premise of natural presence of those pathogens. So that is why there was quantification um, of the pathogens in the soil before the fields were selected. We needed to make sure that the pathogens of concern were present. So you were dealing with fields that had some of the pathogen present, and then you were testing a current or emerging products. So some of these products have not entered the market yet. When you did your research, what were some of the results you saw? Can this be treated with products that are on the market or coming to market? Did we see a significant impact? So I should first clarify what I mean by the products that are currently on the market or emerging. All these products are currently available for purchase, but some may not be as adopted across growing regions as others. So for example, I looked at using group seven fungicides that are applied in furrow. And there are several growers in the area that have adopted that practice. But another one of the products that was investigated was the use of a chloropicrin-based fumigant. And that has not seen broad use throughout Alberta potato production and is in early stages of use and research in other growing regions of Canada. In terms of the results that I saw, I saw that treatments reduced soil pathogen levels in the spring, but a rebound was seen come the fall. So although we achieved some control early season, by the end of the growing season, pathogen levels had returned to previous levels. And what this suggests is that a single year of treatment may not be adequate come time for your next potato crop. Beyond that, results showed that fumigation with the chloropicrin uh, active ingredient product was more effective when using a specialized implement called a bed freshener instead of the standard power healer that growers use to prepare their potato beds in the spring. This has implications in terms of adoption. So for example, is a grower willing to add a new implement to their production system? And how readily available is that implement? At the moment, it's custom built and a fair market value is not currently available. Unfortunately, the second field season, which included two fields, included hail. And as much as 100% defoliation was seen throughout these two fields. This means that the second year did not provide the most accurate measure of treatment efficacy, and that was due to premature termination of the crop. I estimate that we could have had at least one more month of growth. So if you are on the edge of a field and you're talking to a grower, what would you say is, I guess, the main takeaway from your research? 
I would say that the main takeaway from my research is that it is very important to diagnose what is going on in your soil before attempting any kind of treatment or amendments to it. And also, while verticillium and root lesion nematodes have been identified in Alberta soils, I see that there are only pieces of a larger puzzle. We did not look at the presence of black dot, which is another wilt pathogen of potato. We did not look at the presence of fusarium in the soil. And these can all play a role in confusing symptoms of potato early dying and making it more difficult to exactly see what the problem is. And, and why is it important to, to really identify it? Why is it important for a grower to know, you know the specifics about what pathogens are in the field? So the importance of diagnosing what is going on in your soil before treating it comes from the fact that your, what you are seeing in your field may not necessarily be the result of a verticillium fungus. And if you were putting a product down specifically to treat for verticillium fungus, but that's not present in your soil, you're throwing away your money at that point. So I think the economics of it is very important. If it turns out that your fertility regime could be improved or tweaked in certain aspects, and that seems to solve your potato early dying symptoms, it may in fact be a matter of nutrients that you have uh, for your crop rather than a matter of a verticillium fungus in your soil. And did you receive any feedback from the growers you worked with or any questions that they had that helped your research? What was the feedback to what you were doing from the growers that you were working with? I received feedback that it's an important topic the growers believe needs to be addressed. I also received feedback that we need to drill into it a bit deeper and determine the exact pathogens that are present. So for example, root lesion nematodes were assessed in my project down to the genus level. And that genus includes several different species. And the species of greatest concern, I'm uncertain of the exact level of it. So looking at it even deeper in more detail with more granularity, while being able to communicate the same clarity of message is important. Now, you mentioned your thesis supervisor told you if you didn't publish it, it didn't happen. An extension, sharing your research, how it applies to the field, is such a big part of agricultural research. Do you have any advice from your own experience on how to be a better potato researcher? Yes, I actually have two very, very important pieces of advice uh, based on my experience in the last two years. I think what's really important is that as a potato researcher, or just generally as an agricultural researcher overall, um, one of your primary objectives is to first identify the needs of your growers that you are supporting by doing your research before conducting it. If you don't fully understand their needs and you commence a project that's multiple years in length and you get halfway through and you realize, well, this is going in a direction that isn't going to immediately or uh, directly assist the growers in what their goals are. And beyond that, the second piece of advice is to communicate regularly with your growers that you're supporting through your research to make sure everyone's on the same page. And that really ties back in with my first point. And in order for research and collaboration and partnerships to be successful, it really requires two-way communication. You need to be reporting up your results 
in a manner that's appropriate for your audience. And then also taking any and all feedback you get. And, and some feedback might be positive, some might be negative. But what's important is that all the feedback you're getting in response to your research and your results should help steer you in the direction that both mutually supports you as, as a researcher with your, your goals and then also supports the growers who your research is supposed to support. Mm -hmm. And that's so important, especially when you think about funding models and they should be going to things that have an impact to those in the field. Will your research be published anywhere? How can people get a hold of you? How can people um, get in touch with your project? Yes. So the first field season of this research has been published in the American Journal of Potato Research. Um, beyond that, I try to stay active on Twitter mostly for agricultural topics. Right now, I'm not posting much with regards to research, but anything potato related, I like to put out through Twitter. And uh, my Twitter handle is very poignantly tuber awesome. So it's like the genus species name for potatoes, Solanum tuberosum. But instead of the uh, OSUM, it's actually the word awesome afterwards, which I think is awesome. Did not pick up on that. I just thought your username was the tubers were awesome. And now there's this whole science background to it. Yes, it's, uh, it's supposed to be a pun. I like my puns. And and as do I. So let's let's talk about your beginning story before you even started your master's. How did you even get started working with potatoes? My potato journey began with Carberry, Manitoba, which is my hometown where I grew up just outside of. So obviously potatoes were always a topic of discussion. Nearing graduation with my bachelor's from the University of Manitoba, I made a connection with a gentleman at McCain Foods in Carberry there. And it turned out they were starting an internship program within their agriculture department. I was fortunate enough to be the first one through that program in Carberry, and I've been involved with potatoes in some way, shape, or form ever since. And have you noticed any differences coming from the Manitoba potato community and, and working with the Alberta potato community? I do notice differences between working with Alberta potato growers and, and the Manitoba industry. You see a different type of weather. It's drier here um, in Alberta. and on top of that, I had never really dealt with fall bedding much until moving to Alberta. So that was a new thing for me to learn about. And beyond that, there's a lot more international influence here. I'm seeing brands of uh, planters that I, I've never seen before. I'm seeing styles of planters and harvesters that are really interesting. Uh, before coming to Alberta, I'd never seen a self-propelled potato harvester before. So that was exciting. That's interesting, too. I didn't know much about that either. So, you know, now that your research is complete and your master's is over, uh, what's next for you? Now that my master's program is over, my goal is to stay involved with potato research in some capacity. I have considered doctoral studies down the road. And my goal, if I do decide to return to academia, would be uh, to partner um, between my employer and the institution to make the research mutually beneficial to both. Currently, I'm active in the Southern Alberta potato industry as a raw department summer student with Cavendish Farms. The fun question that I always ask everyone is, uh, what is your favorite way to eat potatoes? 
My favorite way to eat potatoes is contextually dependent on the company food. And what I mean is if you're having a burger, a steak, a salad, or a hot dog, how you eat the potato and how it best pairs with that food is going to be determined uh, in that context. So I'm not going to likely eat a hash brown with a hot dog. Probably going to have fries. And it really depends on what else you're eating. You know, I wasn't anticipating that your answer would be contextually dependent. Normally, I just hear like, oh, I really like fries or, or mashed potatoes. So, but I mean, given what if you were not eating anything else and someone was like, you can eat potatoes any way you want. How are you eating it? If I were to eat potatoes any way I wanted without any other food on my plate, it would be my mom's mashed potatoes. And do you have anything with them or are they just simple, simple mashed? Uh, they're pretty simply mashed. Definitely. Uh, I will like to wrap this up. Was there anything that you want to say specifically to, to growers about your research about potato early dying or just in general? I would say on a lighter note, if anyone out there has any really good potato jokes that they want to tell me, please reach out to me. Uh, I am a curator of good potato jokes. So please only send the good ones. Okay, well, you heard it here first, send jokes. Uh, I'll have your your research and your Twitter handle in the show notes so people can reach out to that. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I do appreciate it, so thank you. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying the show so far, subscribe to stay updated for when we release another episode, and please leave us a review to help others find the show. You can also reach out to us online through Twitter at Potatoes Canada or by going to potatoesincanada.com contact. We'd love to hear from you on what you'd like to listen to on future episodes, so let us know. Before we end, please remember that if you want a refresher on potato diseases, insects and physiological disorders, sign up for the webinar series happening on May 21st and 28th with potato specialist Eugenia Banks at potatoesincanada.com slash webinars. Thank you for listening to Tuber Talk, Canada's potato podcast. Catch up on all of our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or online at potatoesincanada.com slash podcasts.